sharing, and so is a great story. Welcome to the Kiwi Foodcast, the show where we sit down with chefs, food businesses, food writers, and more to share the stories behind the food they serve. I'm your host, Persan Patel, and this show is brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Let's dig in, everyone. Welcome to the Kiwi Foodcast, everybody. Today on the show, we have Lulu and Claire, who banded together to create the Secret Kiwi Kitchen. Their business is what they call a COVID baby, a business that started as a result of Lulu losing her job. Secret Kiwi Kitchen makes all-natural artisan baking mixes, like a brownie mix, fudge sauces, as well as a molten marshmallow sauce. We're going to talk about how they got started, their love for home baking, and how they're rapidly scaling their business. So without further ado, Let's begin. Hi, Lulu. Hi, Claire. How are you? Hi, Hi. person. Hi, we're good. That's <laughs> awesome. So let's dig in. Um, one question I ask all my guests is, um, Lulu, we'll start with you. Tell me a little bit about your childhood. Like, what are your favorite foodie memories growing up? Mm. So um, I actually grew up in New York City in a multicultural household. Um, my mother was German and I had my biological father was Japanese and I had adopted father who was European-American and um, probably the person who had the biggest influence on me because my parents worked was my, I had a Vietnamese nanny who took care of me and after my mother died she was my mother and yeah. she's the mother of my life and she was a incredible cook and my happiest memories are just being in the kitchen with her and just watching her cook and yeah. And so that's, I really think that's where my love of food was born. So you basically had access to all kinds of food then having lived in New York and just, because yeah. that's like foodie mecca, right? It is, <laughs> it, it is. And it was interesting just even within our household and people coming and going. And I think that, you know, Ken, her English wasn't very good to begin with. So I think food really became kind of the language, the way we communicated as a family and then also expanded out into the city. It's, you know, that there were all these incredible influences outside. Okay. And what about you, Claire, tell us a little bit about your childhood. Did you have any kind of fun foodie memories? Um, so, <laughs> Lauren's got the really lovely, <laughs> heartwarming stories about food. Uh, mine is quite different. Um, my granny didn't bake <laughs> or cook really for pleasure anyway. Mm. Um, and my mom was too busy. She was solo parent and worked a lot. Um, and again, doesn't really enjoy being in the kitchen. That's changed over lockdown in Britain. She is now baking and she sends me pictures of things and she's very proud. Um, but growing up, no, she was, um, no, it was kind of like the evolution of the microwave dinner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, often, yeah, it was things like that. And she didn't, she didn't bake. Um, but the way I got into baking and realized that I loved it was um, at school when we did home economics, they call it food tech here. Yeah. Um, I started realizing that I really, really enjoyed baking and weighing things out and measuring and doing all that kind of stuff. And then actually that I was good at it. Um, so yeah, so I started bringing things home for my family to eat and they were like, oh, quite impressed. <laughs> so, so yeah, and then when I had my first baby, I had a lot more time to kind of, um, I didn't really start cooking until I was about 30. And then when I had Poppy, who's my first baby, I wanted to cook everything from scratch and be this earth mother. Yeah, and always with the first one, right? Yeah. 
Like if I compare yeah. me being a mum to my first kid and my poor second baby, like <laughs> I feel so bad for her. <laughs> like today I was doing a snack box and I think I put some like cocoa pops in it and I was like, oh my God, the mum from like two years ago would just be like frowning down on me. <laughs> yeah, they're much more hardy, those top secret children. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so Lulu, I read um, that you first created a chocolate chip Kalua brownie when you were 16. So tell us, how did you come up with that idea? I mean, it just sounds amazing. I don't even know what I was doing at 16. I wasn't I wasn't doing that. I was maybe like cooking rice. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Ken, um, um, my Vietnamese mom, she had started a, um, a stand at the farmer's market on a little island called Martha's Vineyard. And at that time, there weren't too many... Um, I don't think there were any Asian restaurants on the island and so she was trying to sell Vietnamese cold rolls and these foods that were fairly exotic so she turned to me and she's like how do we get people to the stand what do we do so I was like okay everybody loves brownies like yeah. that's like that's a winner that will draw the people that will draw the kids which will draw the parents so then I so I came up with this recipe for a chocolate chip brownie and you know being 16 I thought I was pretty cool to add like Kahlua in it <laughs> so um yeah, and it worked great. Like, it did draw people to the stand, and then her food was so amazing that she ended up being quite famous on the island for her um, for her recipes and her great, great Vietnamese food. Okay. So when did um, both of you come to New Zealand? Because you obviously, you said you grew up in New York, right? So um, how did you find your way to this little <laughs> island? <laughs> <laughs> to another, yeah, I love islands. Um, so we, my family's been here about um, six years, and we've lived in a few different countries, all over the U.S. and in, in France and London, and I lived in Italy a little bit, and now, now we're here, and we absolutely love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What about you, Claire? Um, we came in 2011. Um, to be honest, I never really wanted to emigrate, but my husband really did. Yeah. Um, and so I agreed. He went through all these countries. Where could we live? I said, nope, nope, nope. Never living there, never living there. And when he said New Zealand, I thought, huh, hmm, maybe I could live in New Zealand. That seems like a pretty cool country. So, um, so yeah, so in the end, we he got a job offer and we moved to Cambridge initially. Um and then stayed there for about a year and then made the move to Waiheke Island. Okay. Awesome. So when you came here, were you, because I read that you had another company before starting Secret Kiwi Kitchen, right? Mm -hmm. You had a fudge company. Yeah. So did you get right into that or were you working somewhere before you started the fudge company? Um, um, no. It, it, um, before we moved, I was um, actually a broadcast journalist and then um, had the children hmm. and didn't really want to go back to that but I didn't know what it was that I wanted to do I knew I wanted to do something and um, I was good at foodie stuff so hmm. I thought naturally I'm kind of drawn to that stuff and how it came about no I didn't start it straight away we had um, we were there about three years I think and then I made some fudge for Christmas gifts um, cranberries and pistachios were on offer in the supermarket and I thought I'll stick that in some fudge and I'll hand it out for Christmas gifts and um, people seemed to really like it and one guy having a pint with my husband said your missus should sell this stuff <laughs> <laughs> and, and my husband went, mm, 
<laughs> it was funny because that's how I started. I mean, before I moved to New Zealand, I had a food blog. And that's when I started my food blog as a kind of a joke because I got married to this really like typical Indian guy and I didn't know how to cook any food for him. So I was like, oh, I'll start a blog, you know, like very Julie Julia. Like I'll just like write about my um, experiences cooking for him. And then all these people started commenting and they're like, oh, can we buy from you? And I felt so like originally like so fake. Like I was like, um, you, do you really want to buy from me? Like, <laughs> I'm still learning. But yeah, I guess it's just about that, you know, those kind of serendipitous moments where someone just says it and that yeah. sparks that kind of mm -hmm. idea like, oh, yeah, actually, I could do this. Well, I shot him down initially, to be honest, because I'd, uh, our youngest, I think, was about, oh, she wasn't one. Mm -hmm. and she was a quite a difficult baby and I was having a hard time with four kids <laughs> and he said you should start a fudge company and I think I probably <laughs> wasn't very polite in my response <laughs> but I, uh, eventually I mm -hmm. um, yeah we did so we did that and it was and it was great and um yeah. And so were you doing that just like from a commercial kitchen, from a home kitchen? Yeah. How was it working? Um, um, initially, it was um, kind of, when I started out, it was very small. Mm. Um, and then quickly, we had to go into a commercial kitchen. And um, yeah, it, we we grew quite rapidly. Okay. Um, first of all, just started driving around the community. Again, a similar thing with how we started with um, Secret Kiwi Kitchen. It was all about the community. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, I've kind of got into Nosh and Countdown. and That's pretty yeah. amazing. <laughs> and what about you, Lulu? What were you doing before you started Secret Kiwi Kitchen? Uh, right before, I've been working um, for different agencies as a contractor doing um, digital marketing. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you know what you're doing then with this. <laughs> well, I do in terms of I've helped other people mm. kind of think about how to, you know, on a digital platform kind of sell their stuff but I'd never really sold anything of my own before yep. and 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 it was totally new start thinking about product development and this you know this whole it feels like a whole different ball game yeah but. and it is it is different because you say that because so I did I mean I was in the reverse spot well, basically I did a lot of digital marketing for my own business in India yeah. and so when I moved here I was like oh yeah I could do digital marketing for yeah. someone else like what's the big deal yeah. but I found it really hard to get into that person's headspace and that client's voice because yes. I'm so used to just talking in my voice and sharing my stories <laughs> so that actually was like a reverse challenge for me um, so I get what basically what I'm yeah. saying is I get what you mean where it's always different when it's like your own thing and yeah. you know you're talking it's it's more personal yeah and it's great but it's too because you, you're it's your authentic voice too I mean, yeah it's your, you're speaking your truth so it's in, in that sense it's a lot easier yeah so Claire you had this amazing fudge company and then you sold it mm -hmm. um, and so how did you find yourself back into food <laughs> or let's <laughs> let's talk about why you sold it maybe if you don't mind sharing um, yeah it's, it's not it's not really um, a big secret it was just that um, our eldest daughter Poppy was coming up to 10 and we were thinking about schools and um, and we wanted a bit of a change really um, so we decided so it, it, the choice was actually either upscale mm -hmm. or step away 
and we decided that it was time for a new challenge, New Horizons, and we sold the house, we sold the business, we all moved to Devonport, um, and we were going to stay there until we were thinking maybe we'd move to Australia, um, and we just kind of have a brief stay uh, in Devonport, but we never left. Uh, four <laughs> years later, we're still in Devonport, and the and it's because of the amazing it's- community. Okay, so the ferry was really delayed by about four years. <laughs> so, um, tell me now a little bit about Secret Kiwi Kitchen. Like, how did you come up with the idea? Because I was seeing that you basically came up with this idea in July and then you launched in August. Like, that is some really rapid product development. <laughs> it was it was very rapid, but it's funny because Claire and I were talking in the car ride over and she was talking about how in her mom in those years since she moved to Wahiki to Devonport that she was mulling a business and you know I always had in the back of my mind that at some like we were saying that I wanted to, to you know eventually promote my own thing and stand yeah. you know and um, so I had written a couple of like business ideas for you know a cookie company and some other things and then it wasn't it was just it was right after the first lockdown um, our, our daughters are really good friends but we're actually Claire and I weren't really friends before <laughs> like we knew of each other but we weren't tired or anything and she just came over one day to pick up her daughter and it was just one of those like crazy moments where she's like do you want to start a business with me I mean she really could have said As you, you want- do when you go to pick up your daughter yeah, she was just like, and I think she knew she had heard that my job was winding down and like I that I was facing a new situation mm-hmm. and she said that and I just remember that moment I, it was so pure I was just like yeah and it's like that yes that just changed your life like she could have said did you want to breed like camels and I would have been like yeah maybe like like I feel like I could have done anything in that moment and so we said yes and then we just never looked back and it just it was that moment was the catalyst that threw us into action so you can mull and mull and mull and then there's like this moment that changes everything and that was the moment that changed it all oh Awesome. Snowball effect, really. Yeah, after <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. And so, what are the types of products that you make, Claire, just for our audience to. So, well, we make um, gourmet artisan baking mixes and dessert sauces. And we've got a few other things in the pipeline. Um, so, yeah, so we wanted to make baking easy at home. Yeah. We realized that there was um, a bit like. In my childhood, there was that generation of women that then went out to work. Mm. Um, and people like me, kids like me, <laughs> didn't learn how to cook or yeah. bake. Yeah. So it's happened again, really. In this generation, there's um, a lot of dual um, family workers in the family. Both parents are out and the women mm. or the men yep. don't have time or knowledge about how to bake or cook and we wanted to do something to bring families together as well especially in the lockdown I think it's been amazing all the pictures that we've had with um, families baking together and siblings baking together I mean it's so easy that you can just kind of give the children the bowl and the mix and a spoon and you know (laughs) they're happy well that's the thing right like if it's a mix like I mean I love the idea of baking with my children (laughs) 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 emphasis on the word idea uh, the idea of doing it Um, but the thing is that 
I mean, I have two young boys mm-hmm. and just getting them to sit in one place till I like mix all yeah. the flour and cocoa and all, all of that thing together. And, all <laughs> yes. and I just, yeah. yeah. And I'm always like, you know what? Maybe we'll do this next week. I'll just make the brownies yeah. <laughs> for this time. You just watch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it's, um, yeah, maybe I'm a bit of a control freak in the kitchen. Yeah. But it's just like, and they want to be really independent. Yeah. So this is, I feel like a good kind of in between where yeah at least you know you've got something that's also going to end up tasting nice because otherwise <laughs> you're just going to end up with this mark all the wasted yeah, ingredients yeah, yeah. if they don't yeah. exactly and that's exactly it and I I am a bit um, particular about mess <laughs> in the kitchen and things and our kitchen's quite small mm. and there's four kids yeah. so um, and they all do want to bake and I've just had a birthday mm. and uh, my kids ask me most years can we bake you a cake and I'm going to just how about I put everything in the bowl and you can mix it but this year and this sounds a bit cheesy to say but I was like sure yeah and I could give them the bag yeah and a bowl and a couple of eggs and that was it and it, it was and I knew that it was going to taste amazing because I know what it, it's going the end result is always going to taste great so it was it was yeah it's, yeah, it's that yeah. type of thing that makes and, it so perfect and it's great empowering the kids like, they yeah. just got an email the other day from a mother who ordered a bunch of the blondie mixes for her son's um, her teenage son to yeah. make for his rugby team oh okay yeah actually that, that's amazing because it's like yeah you have a fundraiser you do it yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, she, and she's a busy full time working yeah. mom and she's like thank you so much because now he can do that yeah yeah, and it's, <laughs> yeah it is so easy so we we, we make the the blondies, I should say, and the brownies mm. and the dark chocolate cake or cupcake mix. Mm. Um, the triple chocolate brownie is probably the best seller. Everybody, as Lauren said, what's not to love <laughs> about triple <laughs> chocolate? <laughs> Three types of chocolate. Come on. And as Lauren said earlier, everybody. Everybody loves brownies. So what is the triple chocolate? It's chocolate and then what, chocolate it's chip? Just and yeah. chocolate. Oh, okay. We well, start with chocolate. Dutch cocoa yeah. Okay, the base. So you're starting with a very rich base and then yeah, his dark chocolate and white chocolate. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Lulu, I'm really curious about this marshmallow fluff. Yeah. Like, what What is this? I've never heard about marshmallow fluff. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's, it's interesting, too, because I wanted to back up and explain to anybody listening um, that, well, America, so, uh, marshmallow fluff is one of those really iconic, like condiments in the U.S. Or salt. Uh, it's um, uh, it was originally started by a man, a French Canadian named Archibald Query, and it was and he invented it. They say, think I think in eighteen seventeen eighteen. I'm sorry, nineteen seventeen nineteen eighteen. Right after World War One, okay. and it was a tough time. Like I, so he moved to Massachusetts after the war. And um, he would go, he invented this, like this liquid, I should back up and say it's like a liquid pavlova in a way. It's like molten marshmallow and it's an incredibly versatile sauce that you can use like, uh, you know, as a dessert topping or you could even make, you know, they do fluffernutter sandwiches mm-hmm. like a peanut butter jelly, which mm-hmm. you had a whole discussion with your with, <laughs> with your fox and fig Roman about whether yeah. you add that or not. But that people are obsessed with this, you know, fluff and peanut butter or fluffernutter. And... Um, so where was I? <laughs> um, yeah, the origins. Oh, the origins. So the yeah. So he went door to door during this really hard time trying to sell this product, and I feel like it's 
it's a kind of history of creating itself. It's like, okay, so we have this like product and we've come up, you know, it's come. Depression. Yeah. Well, it's in <laughs> recessionary times yeah, and yeah. we're challenged and we're reinventing ourselves as he is. And we have this incredible product that people that that's like a mystery product. So it's like, what is this? What do you do with it? Yeah. And it's just, it's one of those great things to have in your cabinet. So it's like, what is it? Like liquid marshmallows, basically. Yes. And do you like warm it up before you put you it on can. your ice cream? So you or? can eat it right out of the jar. Okay. And but if as you Lawrence kids do as, as they do, <laughs> like literally, I went to show Claire the other night a jar and it was just empty. I had been hiding because I hide them, hide them, and they find them. Like anyway, is empty. So they they eat it right out of the jar. But um, you can also, which is kind of fun, you can just put it in a microwave bowl. And you can put it in the microwave just for a couple of seconds, and it thins it out. So just like you would do, mm. like with a hot fudge sauce, yep. and then you can pour it. So mm. it could be either. But the funnest is you can even flump it, like you can torch it. Oh, so we have okay. a torch at home, like a meringue. Yeah. So you can make an instant meringue topping. So the, I'm so hungry. I didn't have. I thought I was going to be um, all fancy, and I bought a, a torch to do this, and and I got it out at the crucial time, and it didn't come with a gas canister. And so I stuck it under the grill for, oh, okay. uh, for uh, 30 seconds and it had the same effect and it looked amazing. So, so yeah, it's um, almost like mm. kind of, you, you know, if you have a, a um, lemon meringue, a lemon meringue pie, mm. it's one of those yeah. shortcut meringues. Yeah, d- yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and then you could use it as c- to make other things as well. So you can use it to make Rice Krispie treats. Have you Ooh, ever heard of that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and you can also use it as a, to make a quick fudge. Okay. So I, I like the, th- it kind of ties into our baking mixes in the sense that you can, ha- you have this one product like the, like a brownie mix, but that brownie mix can make, you know, 40 different desserts. Yeah. You can, mm-hmm. it can make cookies. It can make a pie crust. You know, there's a lot of fun ways that you can play with the base. Yeah. And the marshmallow fluff is like that. There's just like, all kinds of fun things you can do with it. Hmm. That sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so hungry. I'm just like, focus. <laughs> I know we probably should have had this after lunch, not before lunch. So um, I wanted to ask you, Claire, like, I mean, while you guys are doing brownie mixes, mm-hmm. would some would say that it's not kind of like a really new product. You know, there have been, I mean, there's plenty of like cake mixes and brownie mixes in the supermarket. My major issue with why I never buy them is because it never, ever comes out <laughs> the way it's supposed to. It yep. just tastes of like, I don't know, yeah, like... Synthetic. Yeah, like yep. synthetic and yep. like oily and I don't know, yep. just weird. Um, so I guess, how do yours stand out? Like, um, Okay, so this is exciting for me because <laughs> I can tell you that I have never, ever, ever in my life bought a baking mix because of the reasons that yeah. you just said. Also, I love baking. So, but when, and part of the reason going back to our daughters being friends is, is this kind of came about these ideas that we were floating, what could we do? And I had a solid brownie recipe that I gave to Lauren. When my kids sleep over, I deliver brownies to send with them or, you know, friends I leave on the doorstep, these brownies. Um, uh, my friend's kids actually called our house the brownie house. So I need to convince my husband <laughs> we need to move to Devonport, basically, <laughs> like, stead. <laughs> people free bacon. <laughs> and um, so anyway, so I, I thought I've, I had a pretty solid, delicious brownie recipe. Mm. And I sent it over to Lawrence one day and Poppy 
texted me and said, Lauren, says she, she doesn't usually indulge in sweet stuff, but your brownies are not too sweet. Mm. And she likes them. She really likes them. I was like, oh, thanks. Um, fast forward a few months. And um, we, Lauren was educating me on brownie mixes, home baking. And I, Lauren's American and, you know, they, they're ahead of everything there, ahead of the game. And um, so, yeah, so she said, what about brownie mix? And, you know, but I, so I said, sure, I can do that. And so we tried it. And it just didn't work. It was the bra my brownie recipe was just wasn't as great as a mix. And who knew the science in that mm. is that it has to be quite specific. So we tested and tested and tested and tested for there are a couple hundred hours. Like, there are there some zeros days. behind that. Oh, God. <laughs> we put on lots of kgs. <laughs> well, I did um, until we hit upon the absolute perfect. Mm. I'm not kidding. The perfect. Um, brownie and so it but Lauren was so sweet she's like it has to have this crispy edge I was like oh my god with the crispy edges <laughs> has to be as it has to have this it has to be have this gooey center so what we ended up with in the end was um, a brownie mix that every single time gave you the perfect crispy edges the delicious gooey center mm. um, yeah, so we, we've perfected it and it's nothing I had to. Lauren's like, you have to buy a brownie mix from the supermarket. I was like, I don't want to. <laughs> I shall not. But of course, we have we have to take taste test these things. Yep. And, it, and, um, and yeah, it was great. We tried some really great ones. But uh, ours tastes, I think our, the difference is ours tastes homemade. Yeah. And, um, and we use premium ingredients. We're no nasties, so there's no kind of artificial flavorings or colorings. We use, you know, everything as, as far as we can go, it's NZ sourced. Mm. So we just try and, and make it as, as pure and delicious as possible and, and, it, and it's homemade. Yeah, I think and what you said there, there's like almost two things that you had to develop, right? Like first is like you have to make the mix and then you have to make it in a way so that the brownie still comes out when you're not there. So you have to kind of give them like the recipe that's simple enough that works every time as exactly, well. Yeah. Because, I mean, you may write that they need to be room temperature eggs yeah. and I am famous for this. So I'm a more of a good cook than I'm a good baker. Right. <laughs> so I'll always just take eggs from the fridge and I'll be like, yeah. I don't want to make any difference and then my cake won't turn yes. out. Yeah. And then I'll be like, ah. crap, I knew I should have done yeah. that. It made a difference. That was, yeah, that's a big battle right in the directions and even we had to make decisions like with the brownies originally on the, our back, we said, you know, four eggs if you want, you know, a, uh, a, really gooey. A, yeah. or, or chewier for with two eggs. Yeah. And so there was, we, so we gave people a, a choice. But then we had people saying like, well, I don't know. I didn't know if I wanted egg extra chewy or not. Yeah. And we're like, okay, the whole point of the mix is to take all those questions away and just yeah. make it simple. So yeah. we've just simplified, simplified. It's four eggs now. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's always, gooey is always better. Uh, you, that's, you're right, you're that's either a center person or an edge person I think so you, you can please everybody yeah. <laughs> cool so just like five weeks into launching you were already stocked with like retailers like to me that sounds like amazing but first let's take a step back actually <laughs> how did you so you came up with this idea you did all your testing and then you were ready to launch and then did, what did you do did you like set up a website to start selling how did you get that initial word out 
The the fir- I, the the website came very early. We kind of bootstrapped everything. We did the website ourselves, the graphic design, all of it. Um, but what what I think was really helpful is we brought our community in right from the beginning. So even I think a lot of people wait till everything's perfect mm. to get advice or feedback from other people. We just said we're starting this business. Uh, one, we need taste testers, mm. which people were really keen for. <laughs> so we immediately had quite a group following us there, and we kind of we shared the journey right from the beginning with them so we we didn't wait till everything was perfect mm. because i think if you wait until everything's perfect like our first website you know didn't look as good as the one now but it was up and it was running and we were able to get our 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 mixes out to people yeah okay yeah that that makes sense and so and and then like i was saying just five weeks into kind of launching you were like stocked at retailers already so i mean that seems pretty amazing <laughs> um really how did you like i mean i guess could you like talk a little bit about how you obviously that is the end game and that's yep. the long game for a lot of like food manufacturing but that feels really fast <laughs> i well, i think part of the reason was um because of covid i think the natural progression would have been farmers markets mm. and that's what we were planning yeah. on but because of lockdown we weren't able to so we really only had two choices either we sell through our website or or mm. you know online or we f- quickly find you know a retailer who will take us so mm. we once again started that process by turning to our local community and and seeing you know who would take us mm. Okay. And so you literally kind of just went um to made a short list of all the shops you'd want to be seen at and then what went and spoke to them? Well, yeah, kind of. And then uh, some of it was um again we keep talking about our community, but uh, so I oh, I have a pug mm. and I take him to the dog park and um a lady there who also has a pug I've been chatting with and got to be lovely friends with and um they are um supermarket owner so in the end it comes down to kind of you know just they wanted to help us Mm. and again it's just again being in part of a a really lovely Mm. um, community okay so so we've had we were really lucky in that we had people that wanted to help us Mm. Um, but it's taken a lot of cold calling, a lot of emails, you know, to yeah. kind of get some leverage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what about like the production side of things? Like while it's great to obviously um, like sell and be at all these places, yeah. like, I mean, I don't know, I'm thinking about starting a food business myself and I'm yep. just like, for me, I always get blocked and like, but oh my God, if someone orders 200 bottles, <laughs> how will I make it? But so how did you do that? Like, was that just like a, a rapid scale up because obviously when you have your website you can like get the order make it ship it Mm -hmm. um how did you kind of cope with that stuff well, we're still coping and we're still in progress. It's not like we've solved that one. <laughs> so, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're always looking at where we're going and trying to model. But it is tricky. And sometimes we have to pull back certain products and focus more. Let's a little bit more on the baking mixes versus um, the hot fudge sauces um, because it's easier for us to scale that. You know, it's very hard to scale a lot of products at once. So probably yeah. our advice is just kind of focus on what your best seller is and kind of pl- try and scale 
scale that first to generate a little bit of income to, and then throw that towards the others so you can ramp up projections on the others. So, but do you use, like, um, how do you, is it just the two of you making the stuff or is it you've got employees or <laughs> you just outsource the whole thing? How does that work? We don't have employees. <laughs> well, we have our husbands. You have seven kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, have, we have some tr- well, I, well, yes, they're, so, they're helpful in eating. <laughs> and eating all the fluff that Lauren has. Um, uh, no, we're we're working at it. More, I feel more than full time, yeah. and um, we do. We've we we started um, making, and we rented some kitchens, at different kitchens, and we have been making the products ourselves. But now we've been slowly, as we've been ramping up, having um, you know a pack fill place help us with the mixes. So we're starting mm-hmm. to have other people who can help us fulfill some of those. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. and you'd need to because otherwise it's just um, you can't cope with it, <laughs> well, right? Like physically. it's two of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's hard. So, um, Lulu, since you have a background in digital marketing, like could you maybe share what are like the four or five things that new businesses could, you know, consider doing um, as like a must-have when you have a new business? Like obviously now you've had like worked in digital marketing and then launched your own business so you've got a lot of like key learning so could you perhaps share what we must do and what we mustn't do I think you spoke about one very clearly that you don't have to wait until it's you know Everything's kind of like perfect. Everything's perfect, and that's obviously a, a key one. Yeah, because I've done a lot of um, small business advising too, and I th- one of the biggest things I see people do is they they, they put an order of steps. They say, "Well, I can't do this until my logo's right, and I can't do this until I do that," and I just just you know just keep moving. Yeah, like just and you know don't, don't stop and don't wait for perfection. As you go along, you can make you can improve and continually make it better. But I think it's really important just to be emotion Mm -hmm. and I probably say my biggest tip or I think the thing that's worked for us is whether it's digitally or physically at a farmer's market is have the conversations Mm -hmm. like you that's the best way is to um, engage with people ask questions that when you have a digital presence it's not just saying like here I am on Facebook you know my product is great it's finding other people who are doing interesting things asking them questions or or sharing tips or sharing knowledge and it's this having this conversation just like you do at the farmer's market you know you don't just sit reading a book at your stand you like you know, catch somebody's eye yep. and you say oh have you ever heard of fluff yeah and you, and and so it's really just and I think everybody that's helped us, it's because we've been willing to have the conversations and, and reach out by email or talk in the dog park or, you know, yep. so the more people you could talk about what you're doing, the better. And I think you raise an important point here because sometimes when you have a website, it's very easy to kind of hide behind the website and just be like, you know, I'll just, I'm here yeah. and yeah. you come it's find me. me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that's not really how it works. And there's a lot of the kind of, like you said, at least having the conversation like what's the verse that's going to happen they're going to say no I don't want to help you and I think at least what I've found in the food business is people are really okay with helping you like everyone's just really keen to help you I don't know I mean I've only ever worked in the food sector so I can't speak to other sectors but I just love that you know there's none of the kind of oh why should I help 
you succeed like you know why should mm. i give you this contact it's yeah. it's very like open and collegial at least you know to the extent that it can be yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah and everyone just loves eating each other's food so that helps obviously <laughs> no it does i think one of these things like especially online that people think yeah exactly what you're saying like if you it's not like field of dreams if you build it they will come like yeah. you could have the best product in the world and you can have like a splashy website and you could have zero traffic so i think the oh, it's same thing with a Facebook page you give, or Instagram. You could have beautiful pictures, but that's not going to get you anywhere. What's going to get you someplace is having making it dynamic mm. and having it be an exchange. And the thing that is so incredible about our community or even New Zealand in general is that people do want to share and engage. And even more so in this, this year of all years, like yeah. everybody knows, we're all struggling and we're all trying to like get through and people want to help each other. Yeah. Awesome. I, feel, I feel like COVID has has really brought a lot of people together in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm just loving this kind of eat local vibe, support, <laughs> support local yeah. vibe. And it's Definitely. you just discover so many cool things that you would not get anywhere else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it isn't that you're doing it because someone's telling you to, but it's just that your local environment has so many, you know, neighborhood has so many amazing things for you to discover. Yeah, so totally. why not? <laughs> Definitely. So Claire, tell me, it, obviously, I think you guys have the growth domination down pat, <laughs> Those, <laughs> the rate you're going. But like, what are your plans in the next one or two years? Well, we've got lots of plans. <laughs> we've got too many plans, really, haven't we? But we, I mean, you know, we hope that we'll carry on and 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 keep doing really well and people will still keep loving our baking and mm. what we're doing but um we've got lots of other things in the pipeline um in fact we have to kind of tether ourselves sometimes don't we because we've got so many ideas mm. that we have to say uh, Lauren's always saying to me focus, focus. I no, know. Let, don't go over there come back, <laughs> come back. so I'm, I'm like Claire I'm just like oh I could make this yeah. and I could make this and um, yeah. yeah like when I've been doing my product development it's just been like focus just do like yeah. this for now and then everything else for later everything I think and it's uh, this, uh, I mean we we um, we're accountable to each other that's the great thing about working together i think if it was it's a kind of um i listened to something great actually a podcast the other day that talked about um partnership and how sometimes it was just a special alchemy mm-hmm. um one element doesn't work without the other element and i feel like that that really resonated with me when i was thinking about my partnership with lauren because um accountability is a massive part of of what has happened with us because I think um, if I didn't have somebody like Lauren saying you know focus let's do this today this is priority today and um, then I would probably yeah. you know so I, I our partnership is is great that way yeah and uh, yeah I agree with you it just helps to have that because otherwise being I mean while being a sole trader comes with its perks in the sense of I don't know, you know, faster decision making perhaps or lesser arguments or I don't know. But it just means that there's so many decisions you have to yeah, take and it just gets hard to maintain that uh, momentum. And then you because put things you, off. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. you just either you put things off or you're like, you know what, I mean, because you can go, go, go for like the first six months, mm-hmm. but it's more, I always feel like your business success kind of starts at the like, I don't know, maybe like after the six months where like, you know, your initial thing, 
like you plateau and then it's like okay and now and then you need someone to keep giving you that kick up the bum to be like no you still need to make those phone calls you still need to talk to those people and it's like having a workout partner (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) awesome well I wish you both all the best of luck and before I let you go we're going to do one last question which is called the fast food five and so that's five fast questions about food so ready we'll go with Lulu first okay (laughs) fire away okay dark chocolate or white chocolate dark and white oh sorry dark (laughs) but you know we went for dark and white triple chocolate (laughs) brownie or cookie Oh, see, I want both, but our brownies actually make cookies, so you can have a brookie. Oh. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice sales pitch in there. <laughs> no, I always want both, though. Like, it's so hard to have a choice. That's like, true. I want it all. <laughs> mm. I, my latest thing is just just have the bloody cookie dough. Like, cannot be bothered waiting for it so to cook. Like, yes, just, I was, re- I was listening dough. to your podcast yeah. about, yes, I love raw cookie dough. Yum. Yeah, it was hilarious because Katie gave me some, and uh, you know, she was like, make some cookies. And I was stuck on the motorway, so I opened the box and I started eating it and then I was like oh no I have to like send her photos of the cookies I made and so I made like two cookies because me and my husband ate all the dough by itself oh, but she's so clever that she did it so you don't even like so you would so you're like kids because the kids always want to eat and I'm like no I don't want you to get salmonella <laughs> all right if you were a dessert which one would you be uh, a baked Alaska. A baked Alaska. Oh, okay. <laughs> is that because you like a baked Alaska or is there like qualities of a baked Alaska that you bring to your life? I don't know. It was the first thing that popped in my head and you know how I said I like everything. Like you've got ice cream, you've got cake, and then you've got that flambéed meringue on the outside. Yeah. So that was just what just mm. popped in. Nice. But it's everything. <laughs> and one thing you must always have in your home like an ingredient or like a piece of food equipment in your kitchen it's it's so silly when you said that once again I'll just go my, my first reaction is salt I collect salt and actually my husband built me on the back of one of my cabinets a special spice rack just for all my different salts oh okay oh that's <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah alright and secret tip for making like a great baked item at home a baked item or a specific just like any anything like a, a, like a nice well, baking tip actually it ties in is I always put a little pinch of salt because I I feel like salt brings out the sweetness oh okay yeah <laughs> nice one alright are you ready Claire no <laughs> <laughs> I could see you like thinking about the answers maybe I, I should change up the yeah, questions yeah, give her different questions because it is it's like it's a different if you prepare and yeah. then another if you don't know what's coming <laughs> alright dark chocolate or white chocolate hmm it depends what it's in. Uh-huh. I don't like dark chocolate on its own, and I don't particularly like white chocolate on its own, but white chocolate in the blondie mm. is tastes like caramel, and it's amazing. So if it was in something. Yeah, I, I guess what you mean, because yeah. I can't eat white chocolate no. by itself. It's too sweet for me, and yeah. my like my teeth kind of hurt. Yeah. But um, yeah, if it's inside something, when then I can... try the blondie that we bought you, you tell me <laughs> that nice. it's not amazing in, in something. All right. Um, cake or ice cream? Cake. Okay. And if you were a dessert, which one would you be? I'd be a trifle. A trifle? Is that because many, there's many layers there's that so we many, don't know so about? many layers. <laughs> okay, and the one thing you must always have in your pantry? Hmm, um, probably eggs. Eggs, yeah? Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, it can always make a meal out of eggs. 
Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I was um, I was a very hypocritical mum because um, so I, I have like a mental allergy against eggs. So I, I like them in stuff, but I can't eat <laughs> eggs. Yeah, like a, a mental allergy because like I can't Do like, don't like eat like fried eggs or like, you know, boiled eggs. I don't like the taste of it. But if it's in something, yeah, yeah. if it's masked with spice, then I can have it. It's in cake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like when my kids came and none of them, both of them are same as me and they won't eat eggs. Uh-huh. And I was like, man. Like, you know, eggs are so easy to cook. Like, you need to eat it. (laughs) Just so that my life would get easier. But no, they won't eat eggs. (laughs) They need to see you eat the eggs. Yeah, I know. (laughs) All right. And a secret tip for making great baked food at home. Do you know what I found out recently? Um, And this was because we had some customers that were asking us if our mixes could be made egg-free. And when somebody asks us if they can do something different with the mixes I immediately we immediately have to try mm. just to see um, because I don't want to say uh, if I'm not sure yeah you know? so um, on the market Smales Farm Takapuna Market was the first market that we did um, after COVID and um, lots of people asked me if it could be egg free mm. and we've had a few questions so um, I found that Greek yogurt is mm-hmm. a great substitute for eggs oh, okay. so if you haven't got any eggs okay. two eggs uh, a, a half a cup of Greek yogurt replaces two eggs and it tastes amazing oh, okay yeah. oh, that's so a, that's that's a good tip, tip. yeah so and that's really bacon. nice because I, I always um, I don't like buying that whatever egg replacer whatever yeah, it yeah. just sounds yeah. Weird. I'm it like, does. what's in it? Like, it I don't does. know what's yeah. in it. No, it's re- it sounds really artificial and it's expensive. Yeah. So, and Greek yogurt is um, also, if you add it to flour, you've got a great um, flatbread. Mm. Two ingredient flatbread, so I always have Greek yogurt. And what's nice about the yogurt too, because if you're giving up the eggs, it's nice to have the protein in the sweets. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's yeah. And it makes it more kind of a, a dessert. <laughs> mm, I okay. won't stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Lulu and Claire, for coming on the Kiwi Foodcast. I've had an amazing time chatting with you. And, yeah, I just wish you all the best. And I'm going to go have my brownies now. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, it was thank wonderful. You. Thanks. It's you. our pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Kiwi Foodcast, brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Be sure to listen in next time for another helping of Kiwi Food Stories.